All right, I, we go to Psalm 130. Oh, I'm in the wrong. Psalm 115. You might recognize this because Christine, this is a scripture Christine shared a little bit earlier. Bless the Lord. It says, the Lord has been mindful of us. How good is that? Amen. God's been, God's thinking about us, got us on his mind, thoughtful. And we've been talking about how awesome Jesus is and just what about him makes him awesome. And sometimes there's, you know, there's characteristics about Jesus that, I've not done this intentionally, obviously, but sometimes you just get a bit familiar with him and you don't realize that, that, that doesn't have to be that way, but praise God, he is this way. But I've just sort of become so, I've got such a revelation of it, I've become used to it. And the thing that I want to share today is he is awesome. Jesus is awesome because he cares. He cares. And I was thinking about this. It's, it was actually a phrase that God, I was not planning on speaking on this one, but I was just, just actually driving and, and talking to the Lord, thinking, and at this job he said, this phrase, he cares. And I thought, well, I hadn't actually sort of stopped to realize, and, and I wouldn't normally sort of, when you talk about awesome things, you're often talking about big, um, powerful, mighty, great things. We don't sort of say um, gentle and kind sort of characteristics that they're awesome. But as I began to think about it and meditate on what it means that God is awesome, that Jesus uh, is caring, that he cares for us, I realized just how awesome that is. It's awesome that the all-powerful, almighty creator actually cares. Because he doesn't have to. He <laughs> can just be all-powerful and almighty. And there's a lot of false gods out there. That's all they are. They're just big, powerful. Having, you know, if, if you turn with me to Isaiah. Um, um, Isaiah 46. We'd started off our series by looking at Ezekiel, uh, Exodus 15, where as part of the song of praise which they gave was, who is like you among the gods, O Yahweh? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? Who is like you among the gods? And, um, and that's a good question to ask. It's like, <laughs> there's no God like our God. But it's interesting in Isaiah 46, verse 9, God says, Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, there's no one like me. <laughs> and I, I'm, I've got a little bit bolder in realizing God likes to make comparisons. He likes you to say, have a look at, their, have a look at who the world's following, have a look at the gods of the earth, have a look at these. And he said, you'll find they're false, they don't stack up, and even the ones they've created are nowhere as good as me. And if they're an idol, 
and he mocks them in the book of Isaiah. They mock him and said, you, 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 you'll, be, you'll choose a master craftsman and send him out and you'll look around and you'll find just the right tree and they'll chop it down and they'll bring it home and he'll put it down on his workbench and chip away. He'll carve it. And he said, he'll make this beautiful image. And then he realized, oh, I better put it on a stand because, you know, it could blow over. It could fall over. So I'll fix it to a stand so it won't. Yeah. And he says, your God might fall over without a stand. And then you put it there and you prop it up and you get it all and then you bow down to it. Say, almighty God. He said, doesn't that seem a little bit strange to you? <laughs> that the God you've, you've nailed to this, to this platform so it doesn't fall over, you're now bowing down to and worshipping. So God is very much in, uh, it, it's, it's something he encourages us to make comparisons. To have a look at me. Scrutinize me. See my attributes. See what I'm like. And you'll discover there's no one like me. There's no one like me. And one of the attributes is he cares. He cares for us. Because an all-powerful, almighty God doesn't have to do that. You know, I haven't studied it in any great depth. You know, there's um, the gods of the Romans and the Greeks. Um, you know, we, I know their names because we've named our planets after them and things like that. And, and you know, so Mars and, and, and the other gods up there, Jupiter and things like that. Um, and I haven't studied them in great depth, like I said, but I, my understanding is that there's, you know, the gods are, some of them are good, some of them bad, some are fighting, some are doing this, some, you know, you've got a God, you've got one God who's this is their expertise, and you've got another God who's this, this is their expertise, and they're not often fighting and, and marrying off with each other and doing all sorts of weird things. And God must look at them and say, they're terrible gods. Well, he said, they're useless. They're all fighting amongst themselves, causing problems here and there. He said, come and look at the real God. Not only is he all powerful, not is he almighty, not is he like their gods are all up there fighting. He says, I actually care for you. I care for my creation. And there's two aspects of the word care, and it's in the, you know, it's in the Greek words for, that the Bible is written, New Testament Greek, and it's exactly the same for the English. When I say the word care, it has two, you, two different ways you could use it. Like if I said, I care, I, I care about you, means oh, I'm mindful of you, like this scripture had said from Psalms. I'm, I'm thoughtful of you. I've got you on my mind. But if I say, I care for you, that could mean something a little bit different. It could mean I make provision for you. I, I, you know, if I'm, I'm caring for my, uh, my neighbor means oh, I'm making sure that they're looked after and they've they're, um, got food and everything's going fine. So if you're caring for someone, it can mean I'm making provision for them. And there's caring that says that I actually, you mean something to me. You know, men, if your wife says you don't care about me, she's not saying you're not putting food and making provision it's not the physical provision that she's concerned about at that time is that right if someone's you know if if someone you love says you don't care about me that is not the time to say oh no no look you know you can check my bank balance i've um, provided for the groceries and i've done that's not the type of care that she's what she's saying what she's saying if he says you don't care about me it's like 
you're not thoughtful of me. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, I'm not special to you. I don't mean much to you. So when Jesus says he's awesome because he cares, which of those two meanings is he using? Guess what? Both of them. Both of them, he cares. He cares. Just think about that for a moment. Jesus actually cares about you. He cares for you. He makes provision for you. He has, he has found what you have need of. And what's the greatest thing that he's discovered? He's discovered the fact that we, you know, not discovered, but he's, he's seen the fact that we are lost without him. We're broken. We are headed for destruction. And it says, God so loved the world. He so loved us. He actually sent his only unique son to the earth to do something about it, to care for us, to, to make a provision so that if we believe in him, we're not going to destruction, but we have eternal life in him. That's, that's caring for you. He's made a provision. He's made a way for you. He's, he's not just set up in heaven and said, well, they got themselves into that mess. They can try and get themselves out. I know they can't. You can't dig yourself out of this hole. But that's their problem. God could have done that, couldn't he? God could have said, no, enough. But he didn't. He said, I care for them, and so I will care for them. See how that works? Because I care for them, I will care for them. That's why in uh, Peter, Peter's writings, he said, we can take all our cares, and in that sense it's the, um, the, the concerns, the anxieties, the, the things that we're struggling with. He said, take, take all your cares and you can cast them on the Lord because he cares for you. Now, when he cares for us, what type of care is it? Well, he will take care of the cares, but he takes them because he cares. Did you get that? All right. He, will, he takes the cares because he can care for us, but he cares for us because he cares for us. You know, it's interesting in the Bible, in, in, sorry, in the Gospels, when this word is used to this caring, it's used twice by people to accuse Jesus of all things of not caring. All right. Twice it's used of the, of the, in the you know, he's accused of not caring. And it's sort of funny when you think about it. He's like, well, I left heaven. I, did, I was good, people. <laughs> I didn't come to earth because I was in trouble and I needed to solve something. And get a, he says, I'm all good. But we so loved you and so cared for you and so thoughtful. You're, you're on our hearts and our minds. You know, that's what 1 John says. It's because it's just he loved us so much that he came and died for us. He says, I loved you so much that I left heaven and I came down here and I had to become a human and all the limitations and everything I'm going through and all the struggles. And, um, and I've come down here and I'm working with you and I'm empowering you to get this sense and this power of heaven in you so that you can also minister with me. You remember it says, you know, when we study what it means to be a disciple, he called his disciples together so he could um, give them authority to go out and minister this already. This is what his plan is giving them authority, getting them to speak in his name. And he's doing this and he's, they get on a boat and because he's taken on humanity, 
God who never gets tired, never slumbers, never sleeps. But now that he's a human, he's got to sleep and he's got to eat and he'll be tired. He's got to rest and he's got to go and look after that part of the body. He says, but I'm here and I've got this and I've got this frailty because of you people. And he goes in the boat and he falls asleep. He, he is so tired, he sleeps in the middle of a, when a storm rises and doesn't even wake up. But his disciples get so upset by the storm because they're thinking, well, this is it. Where's Jesus? He's asleep. Where's Jesus? He's asleep. Have a look what they said to him in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. So he's already told them where we're going. That should have given them the clue. If Jesus say we're going to the other side, we're not going to sink in the middle. He did not say to them, let's go halfway, people. What about the second half? Mm. Can't promise that. Only can go promise. No, he said, let's go to the other side. That's a good promise to have. He's already spoken that. He's already declared it. He doesn't use his words lightly, and he doesn't say them without the anointing and the strength. You remember when Mary wasn't said, when the angel came and said to her, you're going to be with child? And she goes, well, hang on a second. That's impossible because I'm not married. I've, I've, I'm a virgin. I can't have a child. And the angel said, oh, Mary, you've got to realize no, nothing God says comes with, doesn't come with the power for its fulfillment. So when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, well, they now had the authority and the power to go to the other side. Who had the authority to go to the other side? The disciples did. They had the authority to go to the other side because he'd said it. Jesus says it, we can do it. And leaving the multitude, they took him along with them. It's nice of them, just as he was in the boat, and now the boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. And he himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. I like the fact they put in the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care? that we are perishing. Don't you care? Imagine accusing Jesus. You don't really care about us, do you? You don't really care. Which type of care are they talking about? Well, it's both, isn't it? You're not making provision. You're not freeing us from this storm. And you don't, it doesn't seem like you're worried about us. You're not, you're not displaying any sense of thought for us. You're just sleeping. Don't you, you must, you know. And um, he woke up. Um, I've always said Jesus is not woke. <laughs> he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, shush, be still. And the wind died down and became perfectly calm. And this is what we often think Jesus should have said. He said, why didn't you get me sooner? He didn't say that. He said, why are you so scared? Where was your faith? He said, I told you we're going over. Just, you could have told the storm to stop. You didn't have to wake me for this, people. That's what he's saying. 
My sleeping was not a lack of care. My, my sleeping was a, a trust that you could get this job done. But you woke me up and accused me. Don't you care? So it's interesting that he's accused of being not caring. But he does care, doesn't he? The other one is, and we won't uh, turn to it, but Mary and Martha, busy, busy um, preparing, and one of them's listening to Jesus, and the other one's... Martha was in the kitchen, wasn't she? Martha, work, 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 work. Looks at the sister. You've never done that? Have you ever tried to do something in a way that causes guilt? All right, you ever you ever vacuumed around someone's feet? <laughs> Can you lift your feet? And then they do. They put their feet back down. Ever seen the thing where the, the, the husband's sitting down watching the cricket, and in the kitchen the wife's cleaning up after the meal? So he gets up and says, I can't sit in there and just watch you do this. So he shuts the door. <laughs> That's not hints, guys. That's the wrong way to do it, all right? So she's banging the pans and doing all the work here. And what's she say to Jesus? Don't you care? Don't you care? I'm doing all the work, you know, and my sister's doing nothing, just listening. And um, so twice he's accused of not caring. One of the strangest things, I think, one of the great truths. But it does show how sometimes we can get very familiar and lose sight of what's really happening in the bigger picture. And I want us to stop and think, how awesome is it that he does care? How amazing is it that he cares for us? And to do to truly care, you've got to have two aspects. There's two, two sides to caring, isn't it? One is you've got to take care of them. Praise God, he's big and strong and he can take care of us. He can quieten the storm. He has rescued us from our sins. He has made a way. He's big. He's powerful. It's awesome that our God is so powerful, he can care for us. That gives me confidence. He says, take my cares and throw them on him because he's got them. He can handle them. But um, I remember this coming down here we've, before the service. We were putting together prayers. Our, our, these represent some cares. We've put them there. And I always remember Kenneth Hagen saying, the trouble is too many Christians write their cares on flypaper. Do you know what flypaper is? It's really sticky. We have just started using flypaper again, of all things, all these modern sprays and everything, and we've got, we've got um, a guinea pig cage and so I found, forget the spray, you can buy flypaper still. Went fly fishing. Had a good day. Sticky. It's ultimately, you know, you try and unwrap the stuff. It's like this strip of sticky, gooey paper that you hang and then the, the flies land on it and that's as far as they get. 
It's very sticky, though. I can attest to it. I've discovered it's really sticky. You know, you're sort of trying to... It comes with you, and then you take that one, and then on both of them. And he said, people write their prayer requests and say, God, this is yours. I give it to you. I hand it off to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Lord, I praise you. I've cast that on you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And this prayer request, I give that one to you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Cast all my cares on you. Um, And that's one of the problems, isn't it? And it's because of two things, because we don't really think he can handle our cares. Because, you know, or we're, not con- we're concerned that he's not really caring about our cares. Does he really? I know I care about them. <laughs> See, the disciples knew they cared about the storm. They didn't think Jesus was because he was asleep. Martha said, I care about this, but I don't think Jesus does because he's not displaying the signs of being bothered and upset by it. But I know I care about it because I'm anxious about it. I'm thinking about it all the time. I'm don't know what to do about it. I care. But what Jesus wants us to know is I care on both sides. I care in the sense that I have made provision and worked out how I can come into earth, break through into your world, destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to Break in and destroy the works of the devil. That gives us now the freedom to enter in to that. So he's made the path of the caring. He's made the anointing. He's given us the Holy Spirit, which is the the great parakletos, the one that comes alongside to help us get through the whole thing. He's given us all that. So he's made the provision. And he says, and I want you to know that I actually do care for you. Not just care. So you can care for someone without caring. Think, How can you do that? Can a nurse care for a patient without caring? They can give them the tablets. They can put the food on the tray. They can take their temperature. But they, they could care too less what happens to you. Do you understand? They could do the physical, this is what I'm doing for you, making you comfortable, giving you food, because I'm legally obliged as a nurse to do all the things. But in terms of who you are and whether you get better, I don't, I don't really care. You can just be hard-hearted. So you can care but not care. All right? You can also care but not care. On the other side, you can really feel for someone. You can really be emotionally attached but have no support or help that you can bring. You can't do anything for them. You could be the other person in the hospital room who genuinely loves them but feels helpless. Can't do anything to help. So you got, you, Jesus says, I care for you. Which one? Both. He genuinely is interested in you. He genuinely loves you. When he was challenged, you know, people worrying, he says, you know what? God has numbered the hairs on your head. That's, that's, he, he, what is, what's he, what's he saying there? He says, I care about you more than you care about you. 
Because I, I can say there's nobody here. There might be a few that are closer to it because it's a lot easier. I'm not pointing in anyone's direction. But no one here has numbered the hairs on their head, how do they? You know, the only time you do that is when you're down to zero. Then you say, <laughs> then you say I know how many hairs are on my head. But if a full head of hair, no one here has, no one here has numbered your head. You haven't even started. Because why? Why would you? God says, I know how many. He know, and what he's trying to say is he knows you intricately better than you even know yourself. He is more concerned about you. He knows what you're thinking, what you're doing, what you're going through. He knows you from the womb. You know, Jeremiah, the Lord says, I called you from the womb. I knew you right from the start. I know you here. I know what plans I have for you. I intricately know you and I care for you. I actually have a, a genuine care. The reason God sent Jesus into the earth was because he cares for us to make a way and a provision and because he genuinely loves us, which is awesome because we're not very lovely sometimes. I know you might you know, say to the person next to you, I know I'm lovely, but wow. Yeah, no. no, but listen, we're all honest, aren't we? How could the perfect God love what we've become at times? In our brokenness and our hurt and our damaged state and the things that we've done. Um, we're not particularly lovely, but he loved us. When, he did, when we weren't thinking about him, he loved us. It says he came to die for us when we were his enemies, when we were on the opposite side. That's when he came to die for us. Not when we were on his side and good. It's when we were still in our sin, he said, I'm going to die for you in that state. Because I love you. I care for you more than you know. I care for you. I think about you. I care for you. And that's why I thought it was really interesting that scripture that Christine shared, having no idea what I was going to share, in um, Psalm 115, the Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. There's that sense of he's thinking now, does that mean he cares for everybody the same? He, well, his desire is there, but taking all your cares and then casting it on him, but then taking it back with you limits his ability to, to work. Sometimes we say, well, I've told God about that, but I'm carrying the extra copy just in case. You know, I've written mine. How many of here have written yours down in, um, in duplicate? One for God, one for me. <laughs> All right, this is God's copy. This is my copy. In fact, I got copies for all my friends and anyone I meet and the person I'm going to talk to on the phone this afternoon. I got dozens of copies of this. I keep a stack in my pocket just in case I bump into someone. Do you want to hear about my care? I'll give it to you as well. I've given it to God, but you know, you know what he's like. He's nice, but a bit slow sometimes in the uptake. So we've got to work on this and we've got to do this and do that. Um, so some, do you want to get a, can I give you a scripture for that one? For James chapter 1? Let's say your care is I really need wisdom. I really, really need wisdom. James chapter 1 says, uh, verse 5, but if any of you lacks wisdom, oh, this is my scripture. What a coincidence. Let him ask of God, 
who gives to all men generously and without reproach. In other words, he's not going to—he's not—he's not saying, "What do you need wisdom for?" No, he's—he's he's welcoming. He's open. He's good. That's the thing that. <laughs> It's the part about his caring that really annoyed the Pharisees. You know, Jesus cared for people that you shouldn't care for. In Luke chapter 15, it says, Jesus was gathering all the sinners and the tax collectors, all the ones that we should. Oh, I, know they can, I know they can become decent Jews eventually, but they've got to go through a long process before I will look at them as an equal. That's how the Pharisees looked at them. These were people that you shouldn't associate with because they've got to work their way up if they wanted to hang around in my company. And it says, and Jesus welcomed them. He received them. He took them in and, and embraced them. And the word that's used in the, the Greek there is, is, is a friendly welcome. It's the same greeting Paul used um, to Romans 15 verse 2, I think it is. He, you know, receive this person and I receive this person. It's his, it's his welcoming, friendly greeting. And Jesus was doing this to people that the Pharisees like, he shouldn't be doing that. But thank God he cares for us. It means when you come with your request, he doesn't look at you and say, oh, what are you doing? He says, without reproach, without a rebuke, he says, come on in. I'll receive you. Some people get confused that that welcoming was embrace them and didn't ask them to change. You can look at the scriptures and follow it through the book of um, Luke. These were the people that had actually come to follow Jesus. They were sinners and tax collectors and things, but they had Jesus had called them to repentance. He said, you've got to repent and come and follow me. And these were, they were coming, but because of their past and who they were, the Pharisees were like, no, you're making it way too easy. Yeah, they're just repenting. No, no, no. We've got to make them go through hoops and over steps and seven-point plan and a 12-point process before we'll even think about giving them a handshake. Jesus is like, that's not how I do it. I don't... I don't I don't, re- I don't reproach you. If anyone lacks wisdom, then ask God who gives to all men generously and without reproach. We should not take that for granted. That's a wonderful blessing of God. He's awesome. He says, I'm powerful and I'm not going to tell you off when you need me. Just going to receive you. Who gives to all men generously without reproach and it will be given to him. It will be given to him. Do you see that? But, verse 6, oh, we don't want to read those verses. But it says, but let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So there's a way of doing it that's like, yeah, I'm telling you about it, but I better just keep this to myself. You know, I can't really trust you. I don't know whether you're going to do what I, I, I've got. This is a real problem down here. This is not like one of those fancy ones that, you know, the preacher gets. This is a real, this is a problem I've got in the real world. And then we just take it to ourselves. Does that mean he doesn't care for us? It just means you're limiting the way he can display and manifest his care through the faith that we need to. But he cares for us. He has a genuine care. I want to finish on Matthew chapter 8. He cares for us. Genuinely. Or Matthew 9, sorry. He genuinely cares. That's awesome. The living God actually has an interest in us. 
not just a, a clinical, I will take care of you, but he actually really thinks about you, knows you, cares about what you're going through. Matthew 9.35 says, Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. He was taking care. And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them. That, see, compassion is the side of caring, which is that I care for you emotionally, I care for you soul-wise. He cares. It's the manifestation of compassion. There were many times when it says, you know, Jesus just didn't heal them, but he had compassion for them. Thank God for that. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. He doesn't have to have compassion for us, but he does. He loves us so much, he actually feels for us. And he had compassion for them because they were distressed. They were downcast. They were thrown down like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to these disciples, you know what? This harvest is plentiful, but the problem is the workers, they're few. Therefore, call on the Lord of the harvest to thrust out workers into his harvest field. How does Jesus manifest his compassion and his care? How does he show he cares? He says, oh, I'd love to take one of my children and put them into that person's life so they can show them the care of Jesus. Show them, manifest the care of God in that person's life. That's how, that's how Jesus thinks about it. He says, there's a person, oh, I care for them. How can I reach them? He said, come on, people, let's pray that someone gets thrust into their life to manifest that care to them. That's how he wants to show forth his care. He wants to, obviously we, we appreciate he, the way he cares for us, but he demonstrates it through our lives being a manifestation of it. He cares. He cares for me. He cares for my neighbor. Oh, God, if you can just stop and think, Jesus, you really care for my neighbor. You know him. You know where he's come from. Just think about that. Think about your neighbor's hair. God has them all numbered. Like he seriously cares for them. And he says, oh, I wish I could demonstrate and manifest the care. That person is harassed. He needs the love and the care. Can you pray to the master of the harvest? He will send out workers to that person. Why? So that the compassion and the care of God can come to them. The opportunity for them to know the two sides of care. The emotional, soul-loving care and the provision to take care. Take care of their sin and take care of their life. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that we like to, you want us to compare you with God's because who is like unto thee? All powerful and yet caring for us. 
it says that one of the marks of the, the Messiah, the, the chosen servant, when he came to the earth, he would, he would nurse a broken reed and, and tend a dying flame back to hell. He'd be gentle. Gentle and delicate and careful with those that are broken. Oh God, you care for us. Even in our frailty, you, you, you deal with us with a caring and a loving way. Thank you. Thank you for how much you care. I thank you, Lord, you haven't destroyed us with your power, but you've come in a way that has enabled us to receive that care and be transformed. You've rescued us, made us whole, given us the opportunity. If you're in this building right now, if you're watching online, God wants you to receive his care, to open up your heart to his care. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And what I'm going to do is just going to pray through what I've, this revelation I've just had of, of, of his care, how I would want to respond if it was my first time responding to God. So if this is your first time, I want you to join me and let it be an expression of that. If it's not your first time, well, join in anyway as a, a building of your faith and as an encouragement to those who it is the first time. If you're online, stop, focus right now. Don't let distractions in. Make this your prayer. If you are sitting here now, put everything else aside. This is the most important thing you need to determine. Is this prayer going to be your prayer? If you've never made this prayer before, if you've never embraced and received the care of God, and to receive his care, it means to receive all that he has done for you. So I'm going to pray it now, and I just want you to join me in that prayer. Jesus, I want to thank you that you care for me. You've made a provision for my sin. You've made a provision for my brokenness. And you do it because you genuinely love me. I want to respond to that love. I want to receive the care that you have for me. I want to receive the forgiveness of my sins. I want to put myself under your care. I declare that you're now my God, my Lord, and I follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.